Welcome. Thank you for joining the executive talks of our quantum AI series. We feature the global innovators shaping the future of quantum computing. Today we meet Dr. Jan Getz. He's a quantum physicist and the chief executive of IQM. IQM is a company based in Finland that is building the next generation of quantum computers. IQM has assembled an exceptional team of international quantum computing experts developing on-premise systems for high-performance quantum computing, I'm sorry, for high-performance computing applications. The company has raised more than 71 million euro in funding to date, including the largest seed investment round in Finnish history. Dr. Getz has a doctorate in superconducting quantum circuits from the Technical University of Munich. He has also worked as a Marie Curie Fellow in Helsinki at Aalto University, where he holds the title of lecturer. He's on the board of the European Innovation Council, the European Quantum Industry Consortium, and he's also a member of the German Federal Economic Senate. Dr. Getz, welcome. Welcome, thanks for having me. Well, thank you again for accepting my invitation. It's always great to see you. Your kind courtesies are always greatly appreciated. And before we get started, can you please share um, what, what does IQM exactly do, your strategy, your focus? I've noticed um, you've adopted an HPC strategy, for example. Uh, what do you offer? What is your unique value proposition to customers? Yeah, sure. So in a nutshell, what we do is we build quantum computers. So we are a hardware company and we cover the, the whole value chain um, on the hardware side where we mainly act as a systems integrator. So what we do ourselves is building the, the quantum processor. So we design them. Uh, we have very good design tools for the chipsets. Then we fabricate them. Uh, we have access to a state-owned foundry in, in Finland, but also we have set up our own foundry in, in Finland where we build the superconducting or fabricate the superconducting chips. And then we act as a systems integrator where we bring all of this together, together with control electronics and then the lower level software stacks that is needed to control the, the quantum computers. And as you said correctly, then our, our strategy is actually to place those systems in supercomputing centers because we believe that quantum computing um, is part of uh, the larger supercomputing um, framework. And in, in this sense, um, in, in our view, the quantum computers belong into the supercomputing centers. So from a commercialization point of view, our strategy is actually to sell then the complete systems um, into the supercomputing centers, um, and they are running them in parallel to their classical CPU clusters, but then also GPU or, or any kind of computing architecture they might have. And what is the collaboration, the partnership you've established with Atos? What is that about? Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at the um, supercomputing um, scene, there are a few providers out there um, who equip um, supercomputing centers with the classical infrastructure. And Atos is, is one of them, um, and we are partnering closely with them. And um, what we are doing with them is we develop together common interfaces 
so that the quantum computers can actually be nicely integrated into the um, supercomputing um, infrastructure. So Atos is building the classical um, computers and the classical HPC or supercomputing part, and we are building the quantum part. And of course, then there needs to be an interface somewhere. And this is what we are working um, on together. Um, and uh, we foresee um, that um, by, by doing this, uh, we can really build then a scalable solution, which allows us to bring our super, uh, our quantum computers into many, many supercomputer computing centers around the world. And you recently published a survey um, from IDC, a report that you commissioned. What prompted that research? Yeah, that's that's true. So if you look at our strategy, it's it's somewhat different to the strategy that you see from many other um, hardware startups, especially in the US. The focus is very much on, on cloud, uh, bringing systems into the cloud, um, which I agree is also a valid strategy. Um, but in our view, um, the, um, the situation is so that right now we feel that there is a real market for the actual systems, for the hardware systems. Um, and on top of, of this hardware market, of course, there will be the cloud, um, which in, in our view comes when the, the computers are ready um, to run certain applications. So for us, it's kind of a timing question that we say, okay, first um, we focus on bringing the systems um, into the supercomputing centers and we, we um, commercialize through this stream. And then later on, when the computers are powerful enough, uh, we will also be able to put them into the cloud. And to somehow justify this strategy, uh, we wanted to be um, a little bit more fact-based than just saying, okay, we have the feeling that there is a market for, for quantum computers um, in the supercomputing centers. Um, and um, to do this, we, we gathered data through this study that you just mentioned. So it was conducted by IDC um, and they called um, more than 100 supercomputing centers around the world and asked them how they see um the the topic um are they willing to invest will they invest into on-premises systems will they invest into cloud and when and how much and all of these questions and the the results actually very nicely confirmed um our view that um i think um the the situation that came out is that um 76 percent of the the centers they will adopt to to quantum computing by 2023 and a similar fraction will actually invest into on-premise hardware systems by 2026. So the, basically the nice thing that this study showed is that there is really a, a market right now for these on-premise systems. And, and this makes us very confident that our strategy here is going to work out very well in the future. And how many offices do you have now? I know you recently announced your new office in France. But how, yeah, how many offices do you currently have? Yeah, so as you mentioned in, in the beginning, we are headquartered in Finland. So most of our people um, are working in Finland in the capital um, region um, in Espoo, in, in which is right next to uh, Helsinki. Um, and we have around um, 100 people there, or now it should be more than 100 already. Um, and then we have a, a larger office as well in Munich. Um, and the distribution between those two offices is that we, we mainly work on the hardware in Finland and we um, focus on the applications and also HPC integration um, a lot in Munich. And then, as you mentioned, we, we um, recently opened um, an office in Paris and also we have activities in Bilbao. And here our strategy is that um, as there is a shortage for, for talent and quantum, we have to go a little bit to where the talent is. 
Um, and in both places, Bilbao and Paris, actually, we have very good universities um, for uh, for quantum um, quantum physics, quantum science, uh, or technology in, in general. And and this was the reasons to go there. And in Bilbao, actually, in Spain, um, the situation is so that there are um, very good people working in the topic of quantum finance. And this is why there we actually um, focus on, on this application, on, on, on this vertical. And what we will do in Paris is we will focus mainly on the on the aerospace sector because there's very strong um, aerospace industry, of course, in, in France. And, and this is why we see there's a lot of potential for this. Um, but then, as you mentioned, Atos, for example, they are also Paris-based, so um, there will be quite a lot of collaboration going on there um, as well. Will you be focusing on cybersecurity at all? Well, the, the 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 topic of security it's of course very important, but for us at least, it's one of the things that comes later. Um, so our feeling is that from a hardware resources point of view, you need very large processors, quantum processors, to run um, um, applications related to this. So um, I think it's an important topic, but again, from a timing perspective, it's not our main focus right now. And aside from finance and aerospace, what are other use cases or applications you're planning to branch into? Yeah, so these were basically the two uh, related to, to Bilbao and, and Paris, finance in Bilbao and, and then aerospace in, in Paris. But then the people that we have in Munich, for example, they focus on chemistry and then also machine learning topics. So these are the, the pillars that we are currently betting on. Um, as we are mainly focusing on hardware, so um, the, the strategy is that um, we what we try to to achieve with these teams is to design processors which are streamlined for certain applications. And this is uh, why we have these efforts also on the application side. So the idea is, for example, that by doing certain tricks on the hardware level or on the chip design, um, you can make the, the processors uh, more e efficient for to run certain algorithms. But then uh, one processor, for example, is only streamlined for, for one algorithm, let's say, in finance or, or in chemistry. So this means you need to redesign um, a little bit um, the systems. So this is um, our strategy here to kind of unlock the applications by becoming um, as hardware e efficient as possible. And this is why we are, this is what we call co-design. So we kind of design the systems from both ends. We, we come from the hardware side and, and know how to design the processors as such, but then we also coming from the application side, um, we can introduce certain shortcuts in order to, to run um, algorithms in a more efficient way and, and thus uh, with smaller processors already. Can you describe a bit more your co-design approach? Because um, you've referenced it as co-designing quantum accelerators. What does that mean to someone that's not necessarily familiar with the industry and how do you accelerate I guess how do you function as an accelerator? I mean, I know I understand that HPCs are your primary focus right now, but if you could touch on that in in a bit more detail, thank you. Yeah, sure. So accelerator here is meant in a way that assume you have a um, a classical computer running a classical algorithm. And there is some part in this algorithm which is really, really hard to solve. So this is the bottleneck. Most of the time, the, the classical computer spends on, on solving this part of the algorithm. So if you had a more efficient 
uh, way of running this specific part of the algorithm, you could speed up significantly um, the whole execution. And the idea is that you use then the quantum computer to solve exactly this art part of the algorithm, whereas all the rest can can still be executed on the on the classical computer. So this is the concept of a of a quantum accelerator because you use um, the the classical computer and the quantum computer in a hybrid mode, and the quantum computer um, solves the hard part to to accelerate. But now the the question is okay, what are the problems again? And this brings us back to the application topic, and and then of course for example let's let's take the um, the example of chemistry. Um, then it might be that to solve this bottleneck problem in the algorithm, you need to do some tweaks. You, you need to do um, some redesigning of the processor, um, for example, in order to get the best out of um, the system. And in, in this way, um, in a sense, we can really bring value then to the customer by accelerating a, a relevant problem, let's say in chem chemistry or so, by designing the hardware such that it runs the most um, yeah, the most um, difficult part of the algorithm in a, in a very efficient way. And is most of your work commercial or is it driven by government work? Well, so if you look at the, um, let's say, supercomputing scene or HPC, the high performance computing scene, um, there are different kinds of supercomputing centers. Um, there are scientific um, supercomputing centers, which are usually um, publicly funded, um, and they um, run um, algorithms for the scientific community, so for academic um, sector. Um, and then, of course, there are also um, uh, supercomputing centers which are um, affiliated with the military, and then there are supercomputing centers which are um, used by industry. And so far, um, what we have been doing is we have been selling to the scientific um, supercomputing centers. And the reason is that for them, actually, the application, the, the industrial use case is, is, is not the main driver. This is not their business model. Their business model is to provide scientific computing time to the academic sector. Um, and um, in, in this, this is one of the reasons why they're actually already interested now in, in the quantum computers, because they want to serve the scientific community um, and 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 uh, the the scientists and the researchers they can do very nice things um, on on our quantum computers this is one thing and the other argument is that these scientific supercomputing centers they see themselves also as early adopters of the technology so they want to be there very early um, in the game want to know what does it mean to run a, a quantum computer on premise what what does it mean in terms of specifications are there certain limits let's say to vibrations in the environment or electromagnetic noise or, or other things like that so this is what um, we are currently doing but of course in the future we want to or we, we are going to expand um, this also um, more towards the commercial side. Um, and um, the goal, of course, is to, on the one um, hand side, um, sell then to these supercomputing centers, um, which are serving the industry, so which are running use cases, let's say in chemistry or, or any of the other um, topics we have been discussing, or also then basically selling computing time directly to the end customer. So this brings us back, for example, to this cloud strategy, which still we think it, it will come, but it just will come at a later stage. Are you planning a US expansion? So we are not kind of saying no to it. At the moment, um, we are focusing very much on, on Europe. As you can see also from the news, we, we have been expanding to um, Spain and, and Paris. And um, 
one of the reasons is that at the, at the moment um, actually uh, we we see a lot of potential already in europe and um in a in a sense um we um we can cover there a large fraction of the market this is our assumption and in the us um there is already very strong competition as you know there are many large corporates and, and startups um, as well. So we still have to find our best way um, to get in. And we are working on this in the background. Um, but at the moment, we don't have any specific plans that will be executed soon um, in the US. You mentioned that you have over 100 employees in Germany at this point. So what is the total counts globally, including your international offices? So we have around 140 employees um, at the moment. Um, as I said, uh, most of them in Finland, I think around 30, a little bit more than 30 now in Munich. And then uh, we just start hiring in, in, in France and in Bilbao. Thank you. And um, where are you in your fundraising rounds? Yeah, so from a financing perspective, we are still mainly uh, backed by venture capital. Um, so we have those two funding rounds. One in summer 2019, our seed round, which was um, 11 and a half million euros. And then one in November 2020, which was about 40 million euros. Um, actually, in addition to this, of course, we have other also means of, of, uh, of financing. For example, um, in, in, in quantum, since it's a very um, hot, but still also a very scientific topic, um, you can get still quite a lot of research grants, for example, from the, the governments. And um, I think we have more than 15 million uh, euros of, of research grants uh, for the company. And also now we have um, signed deals already. So we have one deal in, in Finland, which in total was a 20 million euro deal and, and one just signed in Germany. Um, and um, from this, we get revenue, of course, as well. So we, we are not only financed anymore by, by venture capital, but we have now a, a mix of venture capital uh, grants and, and then revenue generation. Um, but still we, we we still need more more funding rounds so we, uh, more um, in investment rounds and uh, we're currently uh, fundraising and hopefully soon we will be able to announce something in, in this respect like what can you announce it now <laughs> unfortunately we are not that far yet <laughs> so what are you most excited for the next five years what can we expect from iqm by then well, I'm I'm really most excited of getting the whole systems work at a large scale. Um, so as you know, quantum computers are very complex systems and it's not trivial to build them, nor is it trivial to operate them. So once you have a system uh, that works, still keeping it operated and keeping it stable and all of this, it requires a lot of work also on the, on the software side. So seeing um, our quantum computers working at, at large scale, for example, reaching quantum supremacy or, or any of those milestones, uh, I think this will be really major breakthroughs. And then of course, what we are all working for in the field is this kind of quantum advantage goal. So really building a system that is able to solve problems that are relevant and that are creating value and solving some of the, the hard problems um, that, that we have here. So this is, um, I think what is going to come within the next five years. It's hard to tell exactly when it's going to come, but we are very confident that it will uh, it will come. Um, and of course, this is something that we all work for, um, using the quantum computers to solve meaningful tasks. Do you expect that you'll be a public company in that time frame in the next five years? 
Well, I cannot exclude it. So um, in a sense, of course, we, we need to grow. And um, if, if things go right and we are able to create revenue and um, repeatedly or, uh, create a revenue and, and increasingly create revenue, um, I think this would be a, a good trigger, for example, um, to go public. Um, but there are also other ways um, that um, that the, um, the story could go. But at the moment, um, I think the IPO is the, the most likely exit scenario um, that we see um, for us. Yeah. Uh, when it will come, well, maybe it will come within the next five years, but also this is, is really hard to say. And was your, is your intention to do this in Europe or in the US, the IPO? Well, we haven't made our mind um, on, on this question yet. So both is, is possible. I think uh, we will do what is in the end best for the company or for the long-term success um, of the company. And we will evaluate um, then several places to go public. Um, and whether it will be the US or, or Europe, we don't know yet at this point. And how are you planning to use the additional funds that you are that you're raising? Is it primarily for international expansion, R and D teams? How are you? Well, yeah, yeah, it's a mix of of everything. So um, of course we are still very R and D heavy. Um, so more than um, seventy five percent of our employees are working on the R and D side um, on the on the technical development, and um, I think it will still be a significant fraction in the future who are just developing um, the systems. Since we don't yet have the um, the large scale quantum computer ready, so there still needs to. Um, be a lot of work um, put into um, developing the, the quantum computer, but then also, as you said, international expansion um, and and also commercialization and marketing, all of these topics um, will uh, consume some some of the proceeds then in the future. And how is the pandemic affecting your business, if at all still? Well, there are several aspects, of course, to this question. One is how does it affect the operations? And the other one is how does it affect the, the business as such? So um, the, the way, for example, we can sell the, the quantum computers. So on the on the, on the operation side, um, I think we have been somehow getting quite smoothly through the pandemic. Um, also, um, in, in Finland, for example, the situation was was never super severe. So most of the time people actually could come uh, to, to the office if they wanted to. So we leave it um, to them. Um, and then, of course, uh, from time to time, there are these these waves like right now we see with Omicron and then maybe we close the office uh, for a few weeks or so. Um, but nevertheless, so from an operational point of view, I think we, we managed to get quite smoothly through the um, pandemic and um, the R&D has been um, kind of staying on track. So we, we didn't have any delays um, in, in the R&D roadmaps uh, um, due to um, Corona because something that what we are facing also is the um, the problems on the supply chain side. So, for example, electronic components, chipsets that we use, classical chipsets that we use to control um, the quantum computers, they have very long lead times. And this is something that we need to anticipate and, and plan well in advance. But then on the on the commercial side, actually, um, it's a little bit awkward to say, but um, the, the pandemic kind of helped um, us with, with our strategy um, because due to the pandemic, many countries actually um, put up these huge recovery plans um, for these economic recovery plans. And many of them actually have very large budgets also for quantum. And this is something that we have been benefiting uh, from, um, again, on, on several um, 
levels from from research grants um so we got um, quite a few research grants from these projects but then also um on on the sales side so this this national quantum projects um often they include for example um the purchase of, of quantum computers and this is something that we are actually benefiting from um in in, in this situation and what are your thoughts as it relates to the general lack of diversity in quantum? Yeah, well, it's a super important topic and uh, we're trying to be active um, in, on, on, on this and do as much as we can. The, the thing is that as a company, of course, we are sitting um, at the at the end um, of the chain, so to say. So we can only hire, for example, what the universities are uh, spit out. Um, so basically for, for me, of course, um, it is important to promote diversity um, in the field and to support as, as much as we can um, the topic. Um, but I think if we really want to change something, um, we must actually act um, in in much earlier stage of the education chain. So maybe in primary school or um, or so also then in, in university. So what if you look at, at some studies, you see actually that the, for example, the fraction um, of um, of female students it just reduces over time um, in in technical um, subjects. Um, so I think what we need to do is, for example, find out how can we make sure that more actually stay uh, within the field and 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 don't drop out. Um, and this is something where we are trying to be active. So we have a few programs where we try to educate um, in in schools. We have actually a system in Germany in a museum um, as well. And also always this is somehow um, related. Um, to to make the technology visible and available to the broad public to to all levels of society and so that basically everyone can get fascinated for example by the technology um so yeah i think it's a difficult topic and it's it's not easy to solve so i think the only thing we can do is to be as active as we can in, in promoting diversity. I think we, what we also need is to create role models. So just examples, um, and, and this is something that we also do. So um, we have actually in our leadership positions, um, both on the technical and not technical side, for example, uh, we have um, uh, females and we have also hired females there. So we, we really try to be active. Um, but as said, I think it's a, it's a very big um, topic and it's something that the whole society must work on together, in my opinion. So are you still having fun? We've spoken a couple of times. You always have such a fantastic attitude. So is the job still as exciting as it was in the past? Well, I think it's one of the most exciting jobs that you can have because it's basically it brings something new every day. Um, and you you see kind of how the field grows, the, the complete field. You see how your, your company grows, how the team grows um, and um, kind of how you grow within the systems uh, your, yourself. And, and this is something um, super exciting. Um, so for me, I think, um, again, if I would have the, the choice um, to, to start a company again like this, I, I would always do it, I think. Um, and, and for all the people out there who are kind of thinking about it, I think it's really something that you, you should do because you learn so much um, on it. And, and um, there is so much Kind of new things out there that you can discover by by starting and, and running a company so it's it's really uh, an amazing job i i love doing it and uh, i hope that the journey still continues for quite some time like this well thank you so very much for your time it's always a pleasure to speak with you thank you it was really nice thank you